Welcome to IndieWire's Very Good Television Podcast. I'm Liz Shannon Miller at Lizlet on the Twitters. And I'm Ben Travers at Ben T. Travers on the Twitters. And we're posting this on Monday, I guess. So happy Monday as you're listening to this. If you're in the United States, happy Labor Day. Hope you are not laboring, or if you are laboring, it is of a very low-key, non-intense manner. Um, and uh, more importantly, happy almost fall TV season. Yay. <laughs> Here. It's almost time for Ben for the for the two weeks of the year. Ben has to watch all the broadcast television and rewrite reviews of it. It's gonna be it's so his, fun. It's his favorite time of year. Uh, not many, not many make it through the gauntlet, as I like to call it, because you know their goal, both overall and with me, is to continue living. So they wanna they wanna get renewed they want to get more episodes ordered like they want to keep going so because america demands it and um i'd say much fewer shows you know get through my gauntlet than the american publics and uh i'd say what do i watch weekly that's on broadcast i watch this is us (laughs) that's right you do every week hopefully before loyal fan ben t travers i watch lethal weapon whenever i can Wait, are you going to still watch Lethal Weapon? I'm definitely going to check in on it. Okay. I don't know if I can continue sporting Damon Wayans after everything that's come out, but... Your team claim? I don't like to pick teams. Your I team feel like claim? that's bad. I feel like the the uh, the clusterfuck, if you will. Yeah. Uh, since you've properly noted that I curse too much on this podcast. You don't curse too much. I'm just saying you're the one who curses more than me. That's probably too much. Um... <laughs> I'd say that the the blame is at least equally shared, and uh, it sounds like a bad probably a bad situation. you know encouraging each other in bad ways. So, um, but no, I, I still watch that. I, I kind of caught up with the Good Doctor. Yeah, um, I watched the X Files. It's over now. What else is on? Bro- oh, I mean, well, it's let's be honest here. I mean, Bob's Burgers. Yeah, you got Bob's. Time. Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yeah, Good Place. Good Place. Bunch of comedy. Fresh off the boat. I mean, a bunch of comedies. Blackish. You're, uh, you're, Superstore. You're like, you're, are you still even watching a Modern Family? That's a great question. I'm not sure. <laughs> I I didn't consciously stop, but I don't feel like I've seen every episode from last season. I'm sure you just need to catch up a little bit because you know you're made of time to do this. Right. Um. But in term in, in to celebrate the return of fall TV, even as we celebrate the continuation of late summer TV. And the continuation, which will be followed by, you know, more TV. Summer's summer's over, Liz. Sharp Objects ended. <laughs> and that was the show of the that summer. That was the show of the summer. So it's over now. Yep. Um, Kids are back in school. Yeah, they are, actually. Um, it's crazy. Uh, so we wanted to talk about a couple of things that, a couple of interesting questions that are... Burning you, questions. Burning Oh, but we're burning questions, this one. <laughs> Somebody's thinking about his headline already, isn't he? No, I don't want to put that in there. Okay, you don't want to put. You don't want to say that our our our, our questions to give you a burning sensation. Uh, no, I definitely don't want to say that. <laughs> so these are important questions, um, or varying degrees of importance, uh, that really interest us about what's to come this year, um, in terms of you know, just not just like will this show be good, but will people watch it? Yeah, from looking at the the fall. TV slate, knowing you know a good chunk of the release dates at this point. Which, by the way, this post may be included, like the podcast may be included in this post come Monday. Um, but we have a, a full list of of so so many shows that our wonderful Steve Green put together. Uh, you know, for everybody who wants to kind of just get a good briefing of of what's to come, we'll also have more specific kind of breakdowns of of. Uh, most anticipated new shows and, and returning shows coming this week as well. So big fall TV preview week here at IndieWire. Um, but yeah, looking at it, like taking kind of a step back from just the individual shows, we're going to uh, look as well at big picture questions. Uh, mm-hmm. Like Liz, for example, can the reboot revival culture continue to sustain itself? Well, it's an interesting point you make there benjamin um i just i raised a question i didn't make a point yet i feel like it's a i feel like the 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 phrasing of that question does kind of imply that there is 
a potential there is like um a ceiling on this it's at least uh the, my personal hope that the bubble will pop yes but at the same time i feel like you know i feel like we complain about this a fair amount but at the same time uh, i feel like we've been complaining about this for years now and maybe and i i i feel like you know like when when Hawaii Five O got revived by by CBS, like I'm sure people are like, oh my god, will they stop with the reboots already? Um, and you know that was ten years ago or something insane. Um, and I so I mean I definitely it definitely is like increasing. But you know Coach was four or five years ago. Like they they announce a lot of these projects and then they just sometimes they happen, sometimes they don't. Well, that's kind of the point. We've we've seen some big ones of uh, like last season. Um, as well as uh, a, a a bunch that are coming to fruition this year between Murphy Brown, uh, Magnum P.I., uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch revival on, on Netflix. Like, there, there's a bunch coming this fall that are, like, have been talked about for a little bit and, and are actually coming, you know, to fruition. But one of the things that, you know, reignited the boon and the conversation around revivals was how well two of them did last year uh at least two of them i mean will and grace was a notable comeback uh, Mm -hmm. that did very well and then roseanne was the one that really just knocked people on their ass where they're like i can't believe the numbers that are coming out of the show now will and grace is was you know preemptively renewed you know back when it hit 10 million on its first episode but Mm -hmm. its ratings dropped every week like it, it dropped down to about uh, linearly. We're looking from like 10.1 on its premiere in uh, September 2017 to about 3.6 in April 2018. And these aren't bad numbers given, you know, what's going on at NBC. And obviously the premiere is going to be a little inflated on its own. But it's a big question of what kind of how sustainable these are. Like how much did people just want to check in and see what it looks like and see where these characters are versus can they actually keep going? And, you know, Roseanne is facing an interesting challenge because it's no longer Roseanne. It's going to be the Connors. And they're pretty tight-lipped about what that show is going to be. But I'm, you know, it it almost goes without question that the only way they'd revive it is if they believe that it's the same type of show that Roseanne was that people will want to continue watching even without Roseanne Barr. Mm. Um, So, like, all of these issues of kind of sustainability are what, are important what seem important to me because yes it's good to have a hit yes it's good to have you know that first week do really really well or even the first season do really really well but a lot of these people are looking at you know a bigger picture and if they're going to continue chasing as many of these reboots as they can then i think it's important to not just look at oh wow people really did want to see it when it first happened it's do they want to keep keep watching it and Mm -hmm. You know, Liz, because we're contractually obligated at this point, I feel the need to bring up the X-Files. Well, let me let me basically say, I feel like the, the benefit of where we are currently in terms of these reboots and revivals is that I think we've kind of learned from, we've, we've, we've learned from the failures and we've learned from the successes. Um, and I think the biggest thing I see coming out of these lessons learned is, uh, I feel like when it comes to a revival or a reboot, and for our term definitions, let's say that we're we're lumping these two things together, though they are pretty different as we've come to define them. A revival is is basically a network bringing back a show, not necessarily the original network for the record, but usually, because they own that IP, and they bring back the original, they bring back the show with the original cast, um, maybe with potentially with new additions, potentially not with new additions, but it's meant to be a continuation of the story that was previously being told. So that's revivals. Reboots is re- a reboot is when you it's a clean slate, new cast, uh, new cast, etc. So in terms of talking about re- revivals and reboots, um, I feel like the real successes have been the ones that take a very firm line as to whether they are trying to do something completely new. Um, as, in terms of like tone, in terms of storytelling approach, et cetera. I guess, I guess revivals, maybe what I'm feeling like these days is revivals, the re- successful revivals are the ones that really nail down like what made the original special and really keep that spirit going. And usually it has to do with like keeping that, the, the original chemistry between the cast, that sort of thing. 
Uh, and then a really successful reboot is either one that really also captures the spirit of the original um, or one that takes a very different approach. Um, uh, one thing, like, I think One Day at a Time could be considered one of our more, at least critically, one of the more successful reboots out there. And it's because it was, it, it you know, it, ha- it took the original premise of the original sitcom and tonally, I don't think it's a huge shift, but it did add a lot of new elements that made it really fresh and original in its own way. I think in bringing up the X-Files, uh, <laughs> I think the X-Files is an unfortunate situation where Chris Carter wanted to kind of play in both worlds. He wanted to kind of do what he used to do on the original series. And he also wanted to try to be as modern and fresh as possible. And wildly varying degrees of success there and ultimately a really unsatisfactory conclusion. Like he just simply didn't nail what makes what works in modern television and also those some of those scripts were just really bad and there were some bad choices and you're you're kicking off this whole rant the X-Files is its own thing i think no, it's I'm- not though like that's the, i think what you're saying embodies exactly the problem that we're facing in that looking at these and saying this is a a success is very different whether you're saying it's a critical success or a commercial success because most people tended to agree that season the second revival season of the X-Files was better than the first overall um, I have to. I'd have to sit down and do the exact math, but I would say there are certainly more watchable episodes in season uh, in the in season eleven and season ten. Well, critically speaking, at least, especially the early reviews, the first ones that came out for each season, the ones were the ones for the sequel were more positive, but the ratings were worse. So, like, people weren't tuning in as much as they were when it first came back. Right. And with Will and Grace, I feel like it got a lot of positive reviews, kind of right off the get-go nobody seemed to really change their mind as it kept going and yet ratings continued to decline uh roseanne was a hit through and through but now it's going to be a different thing and again so what's interesting is i don't know if it's wholly dependent and one day at a time is another good example because it it we don't know what the ratings are we know the Mm -hmm. critical response is over the moon but it seems like it's a struggle each of the past two seasons for it to get renewed um we just don't know what the sustainability is here. We know that it seems like people are definitely eager enough for a reunion, no matter how that happens, uh, to watch that go down. Um, but I think one of the, again, just one of the big questions this fall will give us a bit more clarity on considering how many shows are based on pre-existing properties, um, whether or not that's going to be something they'll continue to push through. Yeah, sorry. Future. Sorry I got bogged down in my rant. Uh, I mean, think, I think the... The, the, the key to, the key point to make here is like I was coming at it more from a critical angle and you were coming at it more from a ratings and like you know quantifiable success level and I think you're and so now now I understand what really you were meaning is like will people get burned out on these and I think it really is kind of a case by case basis because like you know there are a lot of qualifiers like that come into each example I think it's I again like I think it's a case by case basis and I think that what you said at the start of this is a great point in that there will always be revivals and there will always be reboots. That's just, that's been the nature of the business since before people want to admit it was the nature of the business. Right. Um, but the, the boon that we're seeing and we have been seeing, whether or not, you know, broadcast especially continues to lean on that as a sustainability, mm-hmm. like as, as a way to you know, kind of keep themselves afloat and keep saying like, no, 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 we're still relevant, which they are. Like it's, it's, they are. (laughs) They have so many people watching them. Um, That's never really the question. But the way they keep leaning on them, whether or not that will continue, uh, could be shaped by, uh, at least a little bit, by what happens this fall. Um, Liz, what other questions are you looking at this slate of, of hopefully colder weather? Well, I, uh, I want to just mention for the record that if, as long as as long as reboot culture gets me my elf back on screen, I'll I'll be a happy lady. Fuck. What? Uh, you don't want to see Alf back? No, absolutely not. I don't. Why not? What if Alf came to TCA's? So we could talk to Alf. What if Alf took the spot of the good place? Lots of. I don't want that. The that's. That's the thing that I, like, if we're going to get into a critical argument about it, the problem with reboots and revivals is been there, done that syndrome. I've seen it before. 
what is what slot is it filling especially when you're talking about broadcast tv what slot is it filling that could go to something like the good place so it can take will and grace's slot no see that's like i like (laughs) (laughs) again (laughs) we've got something that's working i anyway yeah no i understand i understand i i i just want to make my elf joke um so i have i have this written down as follows but um I think uh, one question, one, I have this, this question written down as follows. Will we all die on September 14th? Which is not actually the question. It's, o- it's October 14th no. and we don't die, we disappear. No, like this they, is a we month before. Taken, this is a month before. But we don't know where they went. It's a month before. Some of them are in a Jar! hotel. As I was saying. Um, September 14th is going to be a really interesting uh, day for us in terms of television because there are four, count them, four blockbuster shows coming, potential blockbuster shows coming out. Um, <laughs> no. Not no. blockbuster, but yeah. exciting Rephrase. exciting for us. Exciting for us. Okay. Yeah. Exciting for, for fans of television. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry I used the word blockbuster. Just, Everything's numbers with you today. I just want so badly by any metric for BoJack Horseman to be a blockbuster. Uh, that, that would be great. That would be really wonderful. I just... Well, maybe I mean, who is. knows? Who knows? Maybe it is. I mean, who knows? Because that that ties into another question I have, which is can BoJack Horseman translate to bro- cable broadcast? Because they're putting it behind South Park on Comedy Central and just a few weeks, late, uh, just a few weeks after season five comes out. I... I'm continuously stunned by the Emmys snubbing BoJack because I think it's an incredibly accessible show. So I think it'll do fine on Comedy Central. Yeah. Um, I, I. You don't think it'll it'll? It, how do you do? You think the the South Park audience will tune in? Oh, absolutely. Okay. I, I think that those are a, a those would be a great pairing. You know, if BoJack was was just starting off, even mm-hmm. um, because. The the animated crowd are, is obviously its own people, but also people who just want to watch something with relevant commentary and, you know, pop culture discussion and themes that kind of carry forward, you know, no matter what time it is, but continue to apply very much to, you know, the American pop culture system. Like, they both go hand in hand. They're both somewhat heavy, vulgar mm-hmm. series as well, um, but they're also both <laughs> just really smart about what they're doing and... Uh, it might just be a lot for people to handle. Like some of the, like the density of BoJack uh, is a lot to take on from time to time. You need to sit with it, which is why I'm excited. It's going to be kind of given a half hour slot instead of like, you just binge the whole season at once. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, yeah, like on the other side of it, a lot of what you have to do with South Park is put together the metaphor that they're very carefully just like constructing throughout a half hour and you may not even see it until it's completely done. And you're like, oh, that's what they were going after. So I don't know if it's going to be too much in that realm. Like you might even want like a break to think about both of them, but I think the fan overlap would be there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's like watch South Park and have a goofy old time laughing at some very high level thinking, but also some really crass crude jokes and then tune in for the bojack horseman emotional devastation half hour oh that's only like a third of the time yeah um in an interesting note that we'll i'll be probably writing more about later down on down the line um i talked to Raphael uh, waxberg uh for in, for season five of bojack and one thing he mentioned is that he's been working on the edits for uh, season one for comedy central um it's all time oriented like none of the cuts they're making are to for content, um, so you know which is a, you know when you're after South Park, it's a good argument for being allowed to do whatever the heck you want. But yeah. it'll be interesting to see how future things play out if should this deal continue. Basic Cable has been very encouraging of of that over the last few years as well. So that's not entirely surprising though that the time cuts are interesting. Yeah, well, it's just um, I think getting down from they they usually tap usually play around 24 and getting down to 22 is probably not too tough oh no i mean almost the opposite i, I think it's i think it bojack is an incredibly tightly written compact mm-hmm. series with quick cuts between episodes or, or scenes um so you know cutting some of that stuff out is it could be tricky it um, could be. but no getting back to your original point so 
that was one section of the question. But oh, what's yeah. happening on September 14th is not only does a new season of BoJack drop, new season of American Vandal drops, uh, the first season of the first drops, yep. and then what's the fourth one? The fourth one is Amazon's oh. Forever, yeah, uh, which is the Fred Armisen, Maya Rudolph comedy from Alan Yang and Matt Hubbard, which... Uh, so yeah, it's a big streaming day, and I'm actually like random straw poll. If you choose to email us in and email us and let us know, like I'm curious, like of of those four shows, like which which is your priority that weekend? Because that's the thing, like you know, you have two days off, you know, to watch all to watch these shows, like what's going to be the one that sells what's going to be the one that you want then this is of course presuming you have all three streaming services which is not at all a given well the other interesting aspect is i I don't feel like there's i feel like the the biggest crossover in audience is on the same service i feel like the bojack Bojack and american vandal people have a choice to make and i wish they didn't yeah (laughs) i wish that they didn't have to do that if only because as somebody who you know if i didn't have screeners and i wanted to watch both and they both were released on the same day even though i would really be enjoying bojack a little part of me was just like oh but i want to get to american vandal and i never want to be thinking about god i got to get to this next thing when i'm enjoying what has been the best show on television for a number of years so it's like i I don't know but yeah i mean (laughs) it'd be great i would absolutely love it if somebody writes in and says, yeah, I watched two episodes of BoJack, and then I hit pause, and then I turned over to Sean Penn and Bo Willimon's Tree of Life existential space drama, like, and just bathed in that for a little bit, and then I went back. Like, I would, that would be great. That sounds like a great day. I'd admire your restraint. I mean, it's a, I mean, actually, like, um, thinking about, I've, I've seen, I haven't seen American Vandal season two, but I've seen season one. Um, so having sampled all of these shows, like it's a really weird weekend. You're gonna have have a lot of feelings coming into that weekend, out of that weekend, if you manage to get through all four shows. Um, but uh, one thing I was gonna say was, I feel like there are other like imagine imagine if Netflix had counter programmed, like brought up American Vandal season two for this weekend, or as we as we as we record this, the Labor Day weekend. Um, where the big release, of course, this weekend is Ozark. But, you know, this is where it gets into classic counter-programming, where it's like, you know, maybe maybe Ozark's not for everybody. And so maybe you want to supply, you know, people who don't necessarily want to watch Ozark with, like, another, like, with a a comedy. Or, or, you know, maybe you just want to <laughs> take advantage of the fact that Ozark is slow this season and Ozark is dark, as always. Right. And maybe they want to break it up with a comedy. Or maybe because, you know, American Vandal is dealing with kind of that, you know, that serial killer docuseries, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, it's, it's satire, but at the same time, uh, the THR review I read from Daniel Feinberg was was very adamant that this is a serious season. Like, it's not as funny as seasons past. And uh, I've seen that elsewhere. You know, they 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 very well may see better overlap that way. Like, their the interests may not align specifically, but they'd be a good breather from each other. This is pro- is either a question that we will never know the answer to, or you'll. I'll ask it out loud and be like, oh, yeah, of course that's a thing. Well, um, really, the question no, is... No, no, let me ask my question. Oh. Uh, my question is, do you think, like, when Jason Bateman signs the deal for Ozark, one of his conditions is, I am your only big release this weekend? No. No? No. no. You think uh, there's no way that's a deal? Absolutely not, especially after reading, and this is going to get us into our next question, Kerry uh, Fukunaga's GQ profile, mm. uh, in which the algorithm determines not only when stuff is released and how people watch it, but uh, scenes and construction of series, which we've kind of known before, but he talks about it in a more explicit way. I'll hail the algorithm. The algorithm is all. And that's what the real question is. Is this what what you're going to ask? What I'm trying to figure out while we're talking about this is from a traditional perspective on television, it doesn't make sense to me for BoJack and American Vandal to premiere on the same day. But Netflix must know something because they wouldn't do it. They've got the algorithm. They know exactly how we watch their shows, and we know exactly who watches each of their shows. So they're doing it for a specific reason. 
Well, maybe, and maybe this ties into a recent comment by Guy Pierce that apparently Netflix has stopped telling its actors, has started telling its actors, don't mention binge viewing in interviews, um, which, which is that maybe Netflix is banking on people splitting up their viewing more between shows. Like the idea, like you, you just floated the idea of, oh, you split up your, you split up BoJack with a little the first. But yeah, what if people, what if Netflix is into the, is trying to encourage the idea of, you know, you watch a couple of episodes of one show and then you switch to another. Yeah. And I know, and I know that one of the biggest concerns with a lot of people who, with a lot of streaming services is how many people finish their shows, not just how many people sample them, but how many people are actually watching it all the way through. And this could be kind of a counter to help people do that. But um, speaking of Gary Fuganaga, uh, he is making his return to television this fall. Yes. Um, Much anticipated return after a false start when we thought it was going to be with The Alienist. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, it was not, even though maybe The Alienist would have been better. Um, The Alienist would have probably been a lot more interesting. On a directing level. But anyways, keep going. Um, he's returning with Maniac. And anyone who's reading or listening to IndieWire has definitely heard us talk about Maniac. It's not only Carrie's return to television, but it's Justin Thoreau's return to television. And that is obviously the most important thing about the show. But the question is, uh, and I believe I'm framing phrasing this as you had wished, Liz. But I, I, the question is, does a pairing of Kerry Fuganaga as a director and producer and writer with uh, um, Emma Stone a, and Jonah Hill? No. Oh. What? No. Okay. With a with a tremendous talent on screen like Justin Theroux, can that compare to what he did when when True Detective season one premiered years and years ago? Can that can it have the same impact? Can his return to TV in a limited series space with a show on streaming versus a show on HBO um, have a similar impact on the landscape as it did. Nearly 180 episodes later. Literally our first episode was about True Detective season one and all of my myriad issues with it. Um, And also your deep affection for it. Carrie throws some shade at True Detective in that interview, which is pretty good. Like, it's just a crime drama, guys. It doesn't matter. Like, I was just trying to have some fun. I was like, Jesus Christ. Hey, Carrie and I are on the same page about True Detective. That's Nick nice. going to stab you. <laughs> I like that Carrie and I understand each other on this issue, which is... Um, here's the thing. Um, yeah, because, I mean, I respected True Detective season one for what it was, um, which was a really well-made crime drama. Um, Maniac, he seems to have gone to a whole other level and I am genuinely excited about Maniac I think it will be better than True Detective season one that means very little to to people who like True Detective because you don't like it that much I mean I just think I just got bored by dead I'm just bored by dead girls you know what why because dead girls are boring disagree but uh... I mean that's that that is that is legit personal preference that is the same reason I don't follow a lot of true crime narratives it's a, it is my cross to bear, so I totally have I have no nothing but respect for people who genuinely love True Detective season one. I'm just explaining why I personally have never found it to be the greatest TV show ever made. However, Maniac looks much less focused on dead girls, and so I'm into it. Great, this is like your boat paradox. It's like I don't want to watch something on a boat. It's not a paradox. It's a very clear feeling. Mm, Boats watch, are boring. I don't need to watch the terror, even though two of my colleagues insist it's one of the best shows of the year. I'm gonna watch it eventually. I just enjoyed Steve's face every time I yell about boats. That's just cruel. Um, also, most things said on boats are stupid. God. Uh, <laughs> again, that's Liz uh, at IndieWire.com. Um, you, I watched The Last Ship. You didn't. I have seen The Last Ship, Liz. I just haven't seen a lot of it because, like, all television, some things are just bad. Well, what, in, what, in what context did you watch The Last Ship? I'm curious. Were you, like, in between bas- basketball uh, playoffs on uh, TNT? No, I was just really jacked up after reviewing a battleship, and I was like, what's on TV that looks like battleship? Oh, God, that's that's terrible. God, battleship's great. Um, no, I'm just, I'm just, like, I'm worried that, I'm worried about using The Last Ship as your battleship methadone. Yeah, it didn't work at all because it's so bad, but... Um, 
Can I just no, share, I think. Oh, sorry. Can I just share that I watched the trailer for the Last Ship season five just out of curiosity and to see if I understood a single goddamn thing that was happening. I did not. I don't feel. Yeah. Well, sorry. Uh, I think what's I think the interesting crux is is how Maniac is going to be received. Um, obviously, True Detective was one of those kind of sleeper shows that there wasn't a lot of ramp up behind like obviously people were excited to see matthew mcconaughey and woody harrelson on tv but it wasn't it wasn't a big thing because one woody's on tv all the time and matthew was just starting his kind of big comeback reconnaissance the reconnaissance exactly um so this one's coming in with heaps of pressure not only is you know thoreau making his return from the leftovers but as liz mentioned there's some people who have some oscar nods behind them uh one of them won an oscar two of them technically won oscars liz when did jonah hill won? jonah did not win but sally field did that is true sally field won two i know that's why i said two of them have won oscars liz So you've got Sally Field, you've got Emma Stone, you've got Joan Hill, you've got Justin Thoreau, you've got Netflix with all the money in the world, you've got Carrie Fuganaga, who's coming, you know, not only from True Detective, but, uh, I mean, Beast of, yeah. Beast of the Southern, Beast of No Nation. Um, it looks like a looks like a really, like, crazy, mind-trippy kind of approach. And, that, well, that was the thing, too. Like, he was, when he was presented with it, he said that it seemed like something that would be fun and light. Like it was a, it was he something he could treat as a comedy, and he was excited to go into that. But as soon as he started cracking scripts, um, he kind of recognized something within himself that he's not able to do that. At least he wasn't able with a story like this. So it is going to be another kind of mixed genre show, but also that they're playing with a lot of different elements. It's about two people who go into this experiment and basically trip mm-hmm. <laughs> for fucking ever and are sent into these weird you know alternate realities where you know they're imagining themselves have, uh, in, in different scenarios wearing different clothes assuming different identities like all this different stuff and they're trying to kind of latch on to each other or latch on to something to heal from the pain they've had before um Thoreau is the mad scientist, by the way, which is just great. I'm just so excited. Um, can I also note, uh, while we're talking about the cast, that uh, Sun- I'm going to not say his name properly, uh, Sonoya Mizuno, um, it's not bad, I guess, um, but she's, uh, I think she's someone we're going to find ourselves talking about a lot more. She was, of course, in, I think her big breakout role for a lot of people was uh, in Ex Machina. She's the one person in that movie who's not Oscar Isaac, uh Domino Gleason or uh, uh, what's her bucket? I'm blinking. I'm just blinking. What's her bucket? I can't remember. No, I just the phrase. It's a uh, Alicia Alicia Vikander. Vikander yes, um, but anyways, uh, so she's been picking up smaller roles. She had a very interesting role in Annihilation that I can't explain because uh, it's a spoiler. That's it's a major spoiler. But she, you may have just seen her in Crazy Rich Asians as. Uh, Aramita Lee, uh, so fun, one of, one of the ma- amazing ama- amazing performers in that movie. Um, she's playing Dr. Fujita in Maniac, and uh, she's also going to be basically starring in the new Alex Garland show for Amazon, uh, not Amazon, AMC, AMC? FX, geez, um, called Devs, which sounds like an intriguing murder mystery type deal set in Silicon Valley, so... Uh, basically, like, consider this your tip off. Like, pay, pay attention to her because she may be a very big deal in, like, two or three years' time. Um, and she certainly seems, like, poised to be in that position. So Right. So uh, perhaps she's the embodiment of the old true detective spirit in which something can sneak up and surprise us and we can make a big impact but again the question being whether or not maniac can kind of shape and define the culture i think is going to be interesting because of two major factors uh obviously the parallels are there that you want to see between true detective and this show but the differences are what really matter. It's the fact that True Detective was something that rolled out weekly, which at the time was much more accepted. Uh, it's still obviously an accepted practice and one that's continuing to be successful for you know, certain networks. But the models are shifting, and Maniac is something that's going to be released all at once. So how long will it remain in the conversation is a big question. How much will people 
engage with it if it is as challenging as it looks like it's going to be. Um, True Detective was something that was accessible in part because it was a crime drama that we'd seen before, and that allowed a lot of people into, you know, the bigger philosophical discussions that, uh, you know, a lot of people latched onto. So that that method of entry, we don't know if it's going to be there for Maniac, but in terms of being accessible and being pushed, that is absolutely there. The Netflix model allows so many people to watch something and for it to generate so much conversation very quickly. But whether or not that, you know, can last long enough for the show to get the recognition on a widespread industry level, and this is, again, assuming that it deserves it, um, that's going to be a tough thing that we won't know probably until long after fall. Yeah, I mean, here here are some... My, my random thoughts about Maniac include the fact that, you know, Jonah Hill is not necessarily the guy you hire if you want a big, for lack of a better term, box office draw. Like, he's, he's, he's you know, starred in movies, but he's always kind of been paired with somebody as a supporting player, that sort of thing. Like, in 21, 21 and 22 Jump Street are the biggest exceptions, and he's paired with goddamn Channing Tatum. Um, I mean, Superbad was a pretty big hit. Yeah, but that was, again, he was paired with someone. Um, okay. And... And it's it's. I'm just saying, like, he's a he's a great a, he's a great actor. I really like him in Moneyball um, and other stuff. Um, Wolf of Wall Street. He's great. Like, I'm saying he's great. I'm just saying I'm not sure he's not like a McConaughey and he's not a Woody Harrelson even at that when they were at that stage. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I agree with this, but continue, okay. please. Uh, so that's just my that's my w- random note on that one end. Like, that's one issue I could see with the show taking off is like. No one. I don't think anyone wakes up in the morning and is like, "Oh boy, I get to watch the new Jonah Hill TV show." And if that, because if it was true, then Alan Gregory would still be on the air. Um, animated series he did the voice for. It's a deep. <laughs> Anyways, um, point is my my point. My, sorry, my only point is bringing that up. Just like I feel like I, I wonder about that. I wonder about the fact that I feel like we've seen huge interest in it. Um, but the the Netflix ad rollout has been really low key. Like I don't feel like I've seen. This feels like the kind of show where Netflix should be wanting to put it on billboards. It should be wanting to really push the message out it's there. It's early. I mean, it's early ish. I feel like though, especially with a show like this, where I feel like they're not going to want to or actively sell. They're they're not going to want to like reveal anything major. Like they're gonna want to keep. They, they feel like the, all the trailers and all the teasers have been like, you know, check out this weird thing. Isn't it weird how weird it is? Like, I mean, we're we're like twenty one days away, and Netflix operates in like a yeah. maybe ten day window for their marketing. Okay, and yeah, so if okay, in a week and a half, if I if there are tons of billboards on the streets of Los Angeles, then I'm totally wrong. But I feel like it, it, not that billboards on the streets are the only metric of advertising. But for, for for a Netflix show, but that's one way to go. And I, I just, I, I the marketing push hasn't necessarily been out there yet. And I'm in, I, I, you, like you say, it's early days, but I'm waiting to see it ramp up. Well, I feel like, again, we're having, we're having somewhat different conversations here because. You want to know if it like will take over like the cultural, the cultural, cultural imagination. I want to, well, that's, that would be step one. Step right. one would be that it's a critical success and, and a commercial hit. Right. Step two would be whether or not it could have the same impact on, you know, Netflix needs a winner when it comes to the Emmys, when it comes to awards races, when it, it needs something that really people point to and say, holy shit, that's the show. And they've had their commercial successes, obviously, and they've had some that have garnered Emmy nominations, but they haven't been able to break through. So we're looking at whether or not it has the ability to affect the industry in any way, the way True Detective did as an anthology series with movie stars uh, that you know proved to be incredibly successful on both ends. Yeah. And it's following the same model, but doing so on a different platform. So gauging that impact is going to be interesting. But the idea, the idea that it doesn't have the star power or the marketing seems strange, if only because two, like, Again, one of the things I think about True Detective being a big hit was that it, it resonated throughout the country. Um, 
the, the setting and the, the template are something that are accessible to everybody. And again, Maniac, I think the biggest challenge <laughs> is figuring out ways to get people who are perhaps scared off by big, confusing things to engage with a show like this. But yeah. again, we haven't seen it, so we don't know. Yeah, no, and you make a very fair point. Um, and of course, I, of course, I should say that the star power of Justin Thoreau should not be underestimated either. Thank you. I apologize. I apologize for. for I apologize. I was too busy crapping on Jonah Hill to mention, you know, the real star of the show. Well, also, I mean, come on, Emma Stone. What are we even doing here? (laughs) Um, All right. Well, we've gone way too long, but there's plenty of of questions, so let's try to hit some of these a little bit quickly, Elizabeth. Um, I don't know if this one's possible to hit quickly, but let's try. Go. Um, one of the big narratives going into the fall season is how audiences, and this could not be more apropos considering the conversations we've been having this week, but how audiences are going to react to uh, programs either made by or starring problematic individuals. Uh. We have The Deuce as your first example coming up in HBO very soon. Franco's been kept pretty under the radar uh, in terms of the, the marketing for that show. But he, he was cleared of all charges. Well, sure. Uh, And again, like, we're not making moral assessments on anyone uh, at this point. It's more about how the public will react to it. You know, you've also got the return of House of Cards, which is obviously expunged. It's problematic individual in favor of becoming a very female first series, but it's still House of Cards. He's still the face of it. Will people even want to watch that ending? And talk about it. And then finally, there's the Romanoffs, where people may have forgotten about Matthew Weiner and a lot of the stuff that's happened uh, to tarnish his image and some of the stuff that went down on Mad Men. But he's showering everyone with a, a bevy of beautiful faces, which may distract them from, you know, saying no. Okay, I'll do this as a lightning round. Um, no one's going to care about what James Franco did, and the deuce is going to be fine, or as fine as it ever was. I don't think it was a big ratings hit, right? It did pretty well. It did pretty well. I mean, yeah, but I don't think anyone cares, frankly. Um, I, any, I don't think anyone in a general public sense cares. I mean, we care about, we care, of course. Um, that's why we're talking about it. Uh, Romanov's, I think, I think the fact that it wasn't multiple, I think the fact that it wasn't multiple, multiple allegations, I think the fact that People have come out and said things about how Matthew Weiner behaves. He talked about his bullying tactics, that sort of thing. Um, I think I think the Romanovs is going to be fine. I think House of Cards, and I think House of Cards is an interesting quite one to kind of end on because, on the one hand, it took firm action. Um, it it took firm action to basically address the issues. But I think in general that brand has been tarnished, and I want to believe that people because you say he's the face, you say that Kevin Spacey is still the face of the show, but uh, Netflix has worked really hard in all of all of its materials to change that perception, and it's been so long, in fact, that I watched the show that I keep I, I have been forgetting that he was on it, like which is insane. I know, like I mean, I'm, let's say I'm just saying, like the persistent image of Robin Wright has done a, a bit enough subconscious work on me to make me forget that when I go back and finish season five of the show, which I never did finish at the time, um, I will be watching Kevin Spacey for the first time in a while. So yeah, I think I think House of Cards is going to be the most affected, which is ridiculous because it is the one that actively did the most to address the bad men who did the bad things. I think the X factor here too, um, is whether or not this paves a way for more people to return. We've already seen a number, uh, a, a rather shocking number of accused men continue with their work unscathed, uh, despite the the persistent discussion of, of the Me Too movement and, and trying to create positive change in the industry. Um, so whether or not these shows and their success proves to be kind of a, a, a bridge for more men to get back to work um, is what worries me. And what's interesting about it is only one of them will actually know if it's successful. Only We only get ratings for the HBO show. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's almost the worst one to gauge 
success on because it's not it's the it's it has the Romanoffs hasn't come out yet, but it has the potential to be a big hit. The Deuce we know isn't like a you know four quadrant <laughs> behemoth of mm-hmm. Game of Thrones size. It's just a, a great, beautiful art house kind of. Uh, it's a what we call a David Simon show. Yeah, it's a David Simon show. Um, but yeah, I, I we're not going to get ratings for House of Cards, and we're not going to get ratings for the Romanoffs, and um, the fact that they exist may be enough. Yep. Yep. I mean, it's kind of a down note. You want to? Got any? Got any? Got a happy question and things on? Well, on a related note. Um, I think this fall is going to see a clash of the streaming titans um, in the sense that it feels like Amazon's really ramping up its releases. Uh, Hulu's got at least a couple as well, but I'm curious kind of what impact they'll be able to have, again, just on the landscape in terms of what they're pumping out there compared Mm -hmm. to Netflix. Like Netflix is so far out in front and dominating conversation. Can, you know, the combined releases of, Romanoffs, Jack Ryan, Forever, King Lear, Homecoming, like all of those Amazon programs coming out this fall, can those sway the tide a bit and get people like really focused on prime originals as a dependable source for entertainment? This kind of reminds me of that study from like a year or two ago about um, like, oh, this is a that's a kind of a convoluted comparison point. My my basic thought is I don't think Netflix will be I I don't think Netflix will see any 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 effect on their end. Like I think I think uh I think Amazon I think I think Amazon and Hulu they're they're putting enough behind some of these shows to inspire interest and I think they may I hope I'd lo- I'd love it if their audience shares upticked because they both make interesting programming um but I don't think Netflix I don't think I don't think Netflix's dominance is going to be affected well yeah and I think that's kind of the the question I think it's it's what you hinted at earlier where you know we can't presume that everybody already has all three you know streaming services or all however many bajillion streaming services um so the question becomes whether or not, since Netflix seems to be a mainstay, as I've ranted about in the past, where people just keep paying that seven ninety nine, nine ninety nine a month, whatever, because it's like they've just accepted that as part of their life, so they're just going to keep going. Right. So, what these other ones are trying to do is just trying to prove that they're worth that expenditure too. They're worth the regular, just sign up, stick with it. You'll want us every month. They're, that they're they're trying to get to that level. Yeah. And I don't know if Hulu has enough programming to do it, though the fact that fall TV is coming back and people use Hulu to kind of as like a DVR if they're not if they've cut the cord, that could help them. But I'm interested in the in the this seems like Amazon's biggest push with big shows that could appeal to a wide audience as well as just a lot of content. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I, mean, I think Amazon's definitely in better position to go into fall than than Hulu is because I think the people who get really passionate. I mean, yeah. Here, I think to amend my earlier comment, I think it's it, you can't assume that everyone has all three streaming services. You can kind of assume that everyone has Netflix right. at this point, right. which is a, you know, it's like what one twenty subscribe one twenty million subscribers right now globally. I don't something I, like that. Yeah. yeah, something insane. Um, so. As a media a media consumer, if you're if a, you are a full time media consumer, uh, the way that you probably are if you listen to this podcast, certainly uh, you probably have, you have it's safe to assume you have Netflix and um, yeah, it's they've built up that assumption very right. well, like to the point where usually the question I get is like if I'm like hey you should watch Kidding that's a good show they're like what's it on I'm like it's on Showtime and they're like well is it going to be on Netflix I'm like probably not like the, the assumption is like if it is on Netflix then they've already they're able to watch it right whereas you can never assume that with almost any other channel exactly um and yeah so but yeah it's interesting it's interesting to look at the programming strategy for um for cbs all access which uh, has increased has increased their originals uh to a you know impressive degree over this year and has also very deliberately been like you know, as soon as one original is done airing week, uh, done running weekly, bam, next one starts. Um, so like we're going straight. You know, st- tell me, uh, Stra- Strange Angel is going straight to one dollar, uh, going straight to the one dollar premiere, and I think there might be a little overlap. And then tell me a story will premiere, 
And then I don't know if no activity is set for this fall. I forget. I think it might be. But it's also a comedy, so it's not really a conflict with Tell Me a Story. But Tell Me a Story will probably – Tell Me – I think I think if I – I don't remember how many episodes Tell Me a Story is, but it premieres the last week of October. And that could easily take it through to January, which is when Star Trek Discovery is likely but not set to return. Um, I think it said January, but I can't – I think it just it, – I think – Early 2019 is all that's officially confirmed, um, and then also Star Discovery is releasing a couple little things uh, in the in the December area. I have to double check those dates. Sorry, I don't know the, the, them exactly off the top of my head. But anyways, point is the way that Star Trek, the, the way that uh, CBS All Access rolls out its content um, is like something I almost w- I almost wonder why Hulu doesn't do more. Like they do it to some degree, but you know, there's you know Harlots is running. Um, but they've not not only not only do is are there sometimes gaps in like their original premieres, um, but you know sometimes they release stuff all at once. Like the first could easily, I imagine, play on a weekly basis, but they're trying it as a binge. Oh, see, now I, I look at it almost the opposite. Yeah. I look at it as CBS All Access is just trying to stay afloat. Hulu's moved on. Like Hulu tried that for a while, and yeah. I don't think it's enough. I think you have to have more than one show running at a time like like netflix has them every week and they don't like nobody has the budget to compete with that at this point but that's what amazon's trying to do amazon's trying to give you like okay so maybe you didn't like jack ryan but we'll have something else coming very soon Mm -hmm. so that you have those options and you feel like you're getting the most bang for your buck whereas nobody wants to pay you know 10 bucks a month whatever it is if there's only the one show they're watching right then like right. they you need a, a much greater amount of content for people to feel like they're getting their money's worth even if you look at it like well i really enjoy that show i could spend ten dollars to watch it like people i don't know if they think that way when it comes to these services um i have a friend who i i've she's you i feel like she is unique in this approach though i could be wrong who knows because um, I feel like I've heard people say they do this, but she apparently actually does it, where she subscribes to only ever one streaming service at a time, and she just watches, she catches up on everything she wants to watch, and she watches everything. Um, she catches up on everything that she had been watching. She watches all the new stuff she wanted to check out, and then as soon as she's done, she just cancels it, and then like the next time it's up in her cycle. Uh, so, for example, uh, she. Uh, I saw her last night and she was like, oh no, I can't, I can't watch out for those uh, sharp object spoilers. And it was like, oh, okay, well, let's just talking about, and you know, and then she revealed that she will not be watching sharp objects until whenever Game of Thrones comes back. Cause that is when she will sign up for HBO now again and catch up with game, watch Game of Thrones and also watch all the other stuff she, that's piled up since then. Right. And that's exactly what people who, you know, that's exactly what people were worried about with the binge model. If you're going to release stuff all at once and you don't have enough of it, then people don't need to keep subscribing. That's why, you know, Hulu, for well, for multiple reasons, that's one of the reasons why Hulu, you know, did the weekly model for as long as they did. That's one of the fears that they have of transitioning to the binge model because they may not have enough content to keep people sticking around. Um, that's the best, like, that's the best way they've come up with, especially for something like CBS All Access, which doesn't have the money to have a ton of programming. The best thing they've got is we are going to put it all on this show and you're going to watch that one episode. And you're going to be like, I got to keep watching this. Like, so then you'll keep paying for it instead of just cutting the cord. And we've had whole episodes dedicated to try to convince people better ways to watch TV, like better ways to spend your budget instead of just kind of taking a, a, a passive attitude towards it and accepting like, all right, I'll just up my budget and spend more and I'll just have... It's like, no, you can, you should do what she's doing. Your friend is absolutely on the right track. Like, uh, if you need to be more actively involved in shows that are like sharp objects, then you just have to make those hard choices and shift as you need to. But mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah. Um, the point is that there's so much, so much to the TV, but... So much of it is going to be pretty exciting. Like, you know, I, I feel feel after this conversation, Ben, I feel excited for the shows that, to come, uh, even if, you know, they are sometimes complicated to watch them, but sometimes morally, ethically, technologically, et cetera. Right. There's going to be a lot. We got to get, got to build up the excitement just so we can get through it. Um, yeah. And with that in mind, Liz, what was the best thing you watched last week? Um, I am going to say that the best thing I watched last week 
was the previously mentioned show Forever. And that is basically all I can say. I wish I could say more. Embargoed? It is not so much embargoed as it is that every single detail of this show beyond the fact that Maya Rudolph and Fred Armisen play a married couple is under a spoiler a warning that is not allowed to be broken until the show premieres on September 14th. So on September 14th, I look forward to hearing a lot more about the show. Uh, I'll be reviewing, I believe, and writing both. There will, and there will be both non-spoilery and spoilery components to that review. And I mean, we'll see how long. I, I'm I, I'm doing very well right now. I'm not saying goddamn word about what the show's about, um, but I I I feel like if you I would I would say it is worth trying to go in spoiler free as humanly possible um and see how it takes you see how see how you react to it assuming you have that amazon account assuming you have that amazon account and assuming you avoid spoilers um but yes uh that that was the best thing i watched last week then what was the best thing you watched last week uh i'll keep it short as well because i think we're gonna have longer conversations about uh all three of these shows (laughs) Cheating. You're mentioning three shows. Cheating. Uh, one is one is your reminder because this is the week that It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia premieres to watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. It's very good. It's uh, it's still just one of the sharpest comedies out there, and what they do each season to kind of keep themselves going by being creative and crazy, it just works so well. They're so smart. Um, so please, yeah, the premiere's great. First three are great. Um. Also, we're going to talk about Kidding, which if you had a chance to watch over the Showtime free preview weekend this past weekend, uh, I hope you did. It's um, it's not an easy show to watch, but it is a uh, <laughs> it's rewarding if you have the courage to get through it. And Jim Carrey is great. It's Jim Carrey and Michelle Gondry on Showtime. Um, and then lastly, obligatory mention, I'm going to try to do this every week. Um, America to Me is the best show on television right now. Watch America to Me. Um, on stars whenever you can now then liz what's the next thing you're looking forward to um i have like literally four or five things written down i maybe put down the deuce initially but i'm also gonna say uh if i have spare time in the next few days uh, i'm gonna try to dig into maniac um because that show sounds great i'd like to know what happens in it wouldn't that be fun how about you uh, I have the deuce as well. Uh, we've already talked about it a little bit, but uh, it should be noted that in actuality, um, from what I've been told, not just PR spin, this is very much Maggie Gyllenhaal's season, and this is very much leaning into Maggie Gyllenhaal becoming a filmmaker, which I know, Liz, is what you loved the most about season it's one. It's the best part of the show! It's definitely one of them, and a lot of people were attached to that, so don't take that as just marketing spin. That's legit a huge Maybe part of season two so first do please watch the deuce it's it uh, season one is so good and there's no reason to think that season two won't be so anyway yeah. that review will be out probably as you're listening to this but um i wanted to take a special note uh to say that i'm looking forward to watching the creative arts emmys uh come saturday right. and sunday um they're actually being aired on fxx which is exciting are they airing live um ooh, that's a great or is it tape delay i don't know probably take delay. I think it's delayed. Yeah, okay. But at least it's airing, but like, it's airing the night on of. something that you can actually watch it on, which is great. And um, more importantly, a lot of bigger categories have been shifted to the Creative Arts Emmys over the year. Most notably this year, they shifted TV movie to Creative Arts Emmys. And um, instead of primetime Emmys, which is the following Monday, um, well, technically two Mondays, right. 17th. Um, <laughs> but... There's so many good categories. There's so many reasons to watch. You have the TV movie. You've got Best Animated Series. You've got uh, Megan Amram nominated for two, if you've been following along with her wonderful campaign and Emmy for Megan. Uh, if she wins, if she doesn't win, whatever she has to say during the ceremony is going to be worth hearing. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of reasons to check it out. And uh, it's also, it's a good show, guys. Like, it's a good, it's a good change of pace award show um it is all the people who really genuinely are thrilled to have this minor opportunity not minor but like major opportunity to yeah get honored they're they're being honored by their peers um the same as everyone else and they're excited to be there and they should be excited to be there they should be really proud and there's so many 
there's so many people who you'll know and you won't know, but you wish you did. Like it's, I'm very glad it's it's been moved over to to uh, basic cable and people will be able to check it out. So anyway, yeah. if you have the time and the inclination, whenever it's available this weekend, give it a give it a peek, and, and we'll be writing a lot about it. And you'll and you can read all that coverage on indiewire.com, where you'll find also news, reviews, interviews, features, all the stuff you like. Uh, make sure to listen to IndieWire's other podcasts, including the Filmmaker Toolkit podcast with Crystal Fault. I'm saying him first this week because he is first in our hearts. Um, as it's, but don't forget about Screen Talk with Ann Thompson and Eric Cohn, as well as uh, the great Michael Schneider's Turn It On podcast. Yep, and uh, you can find Ben on Twitter at Ben T. Travers. You can find Liz on Twitter at Lizlet, that's with an I and an E. Correct. We will be back next week. Uh, thank you guys, as always, so much for listening. And... Please, for the love of God, do not forget, seriously, do not forget to keep watching television. 